Welcome everyone to Behind the Mask Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jeremy. In this podcast, we discuss the characteristics of ego, self-discovery, and finding our most authentic self. Remember, I don't claim to be the expert. I'm here to merely share my knowledge, understanding, and experiences with the sole interest of helping others. Welcome, everybody. Um, So today's topic is going to be, I want to kind of put a disclaimer out there um, because it's going to be, uh, could be a little bit triggering. The the topic for today is our gremlin messages and faulty core beliefs. And so I'm going to share some things about my life and get pretty personal and, and be a little bit vulnerable. Uh, in my experience, there's been a lot of people that have experienced similar situations in their life. And so um, want to just put a disclaimer out there, you know, that this is going to be a little bit more of a serious topic and really deep dive into some some heavy things to illustrate the point of of this message for today. Um, faulty core beliefs are when I was growing up, I really didn't even know what those were. And it wasn't until I was in my addiction cover recovery program that I even learned what faulty core beliefs were. And the definition of faulty core beliefs are the reason why they're faulty is because they're full of deception. And then they're full of deception about the core of who we are. To illustrate this point a little bit, I'm going to share something about my life that I share openly now, but but years ago, there's no way I would have ever told anybody this because of how traumatizing, how shameful, how much shame I carried around with it, the impact that it had on people's lives and mine. But to illustrate this point and to really kind of connect it to the message Um, I'm going to open up and and be a little bit vulnerable here. So when I was four or five years old, um, I was sexually abused. And it started out as uh, an older kid. I'd play and, you know, as young kids do and run around and we go play hide and seek and different things. And um, one, you know, hide and go seek, tag, running around the houses in the neighborhood ended up turning into, Hey, let's play this one game. And we would pull our pants down and he would, you know, perform oral sex on me and then make me perform it on him. And so that happened in a couple of days. And then it ended up to where we'd go inside his house. And of what I remember is I remember his dad in this darker home, would be watching some movie and later I came to realize that it was pornography. I don't really realize that what it was. I mean, you just just hear a lot of sounds and things going on, but I do remember there was also another neighborhood girl that was kind of between the ages of my age. And then this older kid's age, which I'm again, I'm not quite sure how old he was, but he was bigger obviously and, and uh, older than I was and so forth. And so, um, the three of us would go into this house and 
the dad would have us get undressed and basically get into positions of what the pornographic videos were doing. Now, was there penetration? No, because again, I was five, four or five years old. I didn't know <laughs> what was going on probably other than we were told that we were playing house and that's just how we played house. Mm. So as that happened for a little bit, um, I remember at a young age going home during that time and complaining that my, you know, private parts were very raw and sore and to the point where I would have to get, you know, ointment cream and this and that. My mom asking, well, what's the problem? What's going on? And I didn't really say anything. So I thought my parents knew, but come to find out they had no idea. And they found out that this had happened when I was, you know, in my thirties, but we moved away and, um, I was a little bit older and I remember one, I think Sunday afternoon I was, I was watching or I, I was told by my, my parents, Hey, you know, watch your little, little brother and we're going to go take a nap. And so, you know, we're sitting out watching TV and I remember my, my little brother crying and I couldn't get him to stop crying. And so I was afraid and I didn't want to go and open the door because I don't want to get in trouble. And so Back in those days, if you remember, they had those those circle doorknobs, but they had a hole in the middle. And if you stuck like a bobby pin or a, a nail or something in there, you can hit that middle lever, release lever, and it would open the door. And I knew how to do that. And again, I was think I was probably six or seven at this time now. And I remember opening the door quietly so, so that I could possibly just get my mom's attention because my little brother kept crying. And may even had a little sister at that time who might have been a baby. So, uh, but what I do remember is opening the door and I remember my mom laying on my dad naked. And at that point in time, like I just hurried and shut the door cause I wasn't quite sure what to do at that point in time. And then I just went back and tried to comfort my little brother. And then shortly after that, my mom came out and she heard him crying and so forth. So again, I didn't mention that to them as well. But in my mind, that solidified that what I learned to be as house, playing house, I learned that to be normal. That kind of solidified in my mind that, oh, this is a normal practice, something that people do. Well, my mom and dad do it. Well, we're playing house. So from that point forward, I ended up, because I was the oldest of all the kids, whenever we would play with a group of people and neighbors and my little sisters and brother and so forth, we would instigate that that was house. And that went on for years. Um, and I remember, I think it was 10 or 11. Um, I had built a fort down in the basement of our house and we had moved various times at this point in time. And I remember I built a fort in the basement of the house and, my youngest sister came down and she was really young and my younger brother and they came down and wanted to play in the fort. So we were playing in the fort, different things. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, let's just play house. And so what did we do? Well, we did what I saw before. And so we started playing house as my little sister and my little brother ran upstairs and told my mom and my mom came running downstairs yelling Get your hands off her, you sick son of a bitch. Get your hands off her, you sick son of a bitch. And at that point in time, 
all of a sudden I realized that what was happening, that was not normal. And at that juncture in my life, the, this core belief about who I am became, I'm a sick son of a bitch. I'm a monster. I'm a horrible person. I didn't go to counseling. I went to one counseling session. I don't even remember what was said. I just remember the disappointment. I remember how quiet my parents were. I remember my grandparents coming over and it was just like this somber, like a death, something just horrible happened. I didn't really even understand fully what the scope of it was, but I just felt horrible and felt like a monster because here I was doing things to my little sisters and neighbors and, you know, was told of how bad that was and how horrible it was without any precedent of anyone knowing that that's what I was taught and shown. So even at that time, no one ever asked me, did this happen to you? Did someone do this to you? It was just that I was the instigator. I was a bad person. And so when we talk about faulty core beliefs, a lot of my life, I spent this time thinking that I was an absolute monster. That I was a sick son of a bitch. And I could never let anybody know that. And so as I got older, I really, really embraced and held on to my social mask of, I'm a basketball player. I'm a dancer. I'm this, I'm that. Because if they really truly saw behind that, what they would see is a sick son of a bitch and this monster. And... I really didn't learn or understand what that was. I just kind of kept that. And so when I went to my addiction recovery program, we started talking about faulty core beliefs and defining what those were. And I never really shared that experience with anybody. The only people that knew about that was really my siblings and my parents. Um, I didn't share it with my wife <laughs> at the time. I didn't share with anybody. That was something that it was so, so embedded into my core of who I was that I couldn't share that with anybody. And at the time I was, I was in a religion and I remember always thinking, you know, you'd hear the, the lessons on Sundays being taught and talking about heaven and hell and, and all the differences in that. And I was always just in the back of my mind was like, well, I don't even know why I'm trying because you know, I can put on a show, but I already know my place is solidified in hell. There's no way I'm going to heaven based off what I did when I was younger. I don't want to talk about it, but I know I won't, you know, I can't get forgiveness. That's just, it's too, I'm broken. I'm messed up. There's something absolutely wrong with my fundamental being. And then fast forward a few years after the program that I entered into and, and started at least talking about those things, and I shared it within a small exclusive group. Some of my things that when I did my trauma egg, I went into this coaching program and they talked about gremlin messages. And it was my very first certification program that I got. And they did this exercise and this, they said, you know, think about, something very specific about you and what you believe about yourself. Find an, an item 
that represents that belief and bring it into class the next day. So as I left there, I really thought like, okay, what can I get? What can I get? What, what, I don't want to get an item because that's too illustrative of what it is because I'm not going to really share that. I'm not going to tell people what my gremlin message is or I'm not going to share it, but I can find something. And I remember going home and looking around and I was actually out of town. I was staying in Colorado with my, my parents at the time um, while I was going through the certification. And my mom had this treasure chest. They had like this lock on the front. And I remember sitting there looking around. All of a sudden I saw that. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's my item for my grumman message. And so I took that with me to the class the next day. And they had us pull the items out. And people had different things. And some people were brave enough to share with those <laughs> gremlin messages or faulty core beliefs were um, for me all that I said is that my faulty core belief is locked in this vault very securely and I'm the only one that has a key to it and I'm not letting anybody in to see what's inside this at all but as I, we work through that and, and as we learn how the different techniques and practices to understand what our gremlin messages are and what our faulty core beliefs are and how to work through those things, I started to get to the point where I started to see the truth of it. Now, it's still hard. I've done a lot of work, and I mentioned you know, in, in other episodes that I've been on my self-growth and self-development and self-discovery path for close to 15 years now. There's still times that it creeps up. When someone calls me and tells me that, you know, Jeremy, you're a good man. I, there's a little, little, little bit of me that just kind of cringes a little bit and says, oh, if you only knew. <laughs> so when we're talking about faulty core beliefs, we're talking about gremlin messages. These things are super embedded into our psyche, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. But to fully live a life free of ego, we have to get into what these are. The gremlin messages, and I found it interesting that they called them that. And so I've adapted that because it's I like the kind of the play on words. And so if you know the gremlin movie from back in the, probably the 80s, I think it was when it came out. But gremlins are these little cute, fluffy animals that were from an exotic country. And this young kid gets uh, gets one. And there's two rules. The rules are don't feed the, the animal past, I think, midnight, and then don't get it wet. But it's an adorable, cute little fluffy ball that talks and has this, you know, um, has this cute personality. And it's like, oh, it's so cute and adorable. Well, the kid, being a teenager, obviously gets this animal or creature wet. And all of a sudden pops out these other fur balls that grow. Well, the other fur balls have a menacing energy or menacing personality. And they end up finding food that's left out after midnight one night. 
and they went from menacing furry creatures to monsters. And the monsters end up trying to destroy the town and kill everybody. <laughs> so, so gremlin messages, it's, they, they start out as safety protocols, cute, fluffy things that can ultimately, if you feed them, they can turn into monsters that literally control the way of our being. These gremlin messages are the, the narrative in which constant, constantly plays in the back of our subconscious mind. Some of those messages are, I am not worthy. I am not lovable or worthy of love. I am not good enough. I am the only one that deals with that situation. I am broken. I am alone and no one understands. I am worthless. I don't deserve to be happy or successful. I'm not pretty enough. I will never get my needs met. I can't do things other people can. I will never be like them. I'm a bad person. I don't matter. And the list can go on. Hopefully these messages or these examples can give you a little bit of insight to possibly what your gremlin messages are. If you feel that you struggle with ego, it's predominantly because of the fact that we have these gremlin messages or these faulty core beliefs about who we are. The problem is, is these, these things, these gremlin messages are not true thoughts or ideas. It's like we're being hypnotized. There are things that are, that are tied to experiences that we had that were traumatic. And therefore, ego came into our existence. Reality was broken. And so to understand and interpret the reality, the new reality, our mind had to come up with a way to understand the situation that happened. When you spill a whole gallon of orange juice and you go and tell your mother that you spilled it, she says, you better clean it up before I get out of the shower. And so what do you do? You go get the pine saw. You start dumping pine saw on the floor because that's what you know of how mom cleans things up. And you're seven years old, eight years old. And all of a sudden the fumes and of the pine saw that you just poured straight into the orange juice and the towels you're trying to clean it up with and all that stuff hits you. And then you throw up because of the fact that there's so much different things happening. And your mom has to come out and now clean this mess of puke, pine saw, and orange juice. And she says, why are you so stupid? Why did you do this? Right? The reality of us being beings, innocent, and all of a sudden someone that cares for us calls us stupid. That breaks the reality of us being as good or whole. Now we're broken. Now there's something wrong with us. And so then what happens is, is we adopt that message of we're stupid. We're not, I'm not smart enough. To now where in school, I put on the social mask of being the class clown. 
I'm the funny one because I can't let anyone know that I'm stupid. And that's how we adopt these masks. The surface level faulty beliefs about ourselves are a little bit easier. Usually those are tied into low self-esteem, things that people have told us. But the core beliefs about who we are that are faulty, again, those are just full of deception and they're about the essence and the core of who we are. Okay. Ego enhances those things and it creates an obsession to find something outside of ourself to offset that belief. So again, like my example of you're so stupid and all of a sudden changing to be the class clown. For me and the experience that I shared with you, I had to find some identity that I could be okay with because I couldn't be the sick son of a bitch. I couldn't be the monster that I thought I was. And so what did I do? I clasped onto this idea that I'm a basketball player. And I worked hard. And to be honest with you, some of my actual natural, natural talents and strengths were very conducive to that. So I saw success in that. I was a good boy at the times when I was playing basketball, which again offset the fact of another faulty core belief in myself that I was always in trouble. And so therefore I must be a bad boy. So shame is the solidifier of our gremlin messages. So as you're going through this process of discovering what your gremlin messages are, what your faulty core beliefs are, you really have to look at the areas of your life that you have a lot of shame around. Being open and honest and transparent with yourself. And sometimes that's hard. Well, actually, most of the time that's really hard. And you really have to get to a place of being very open and very compassionate with yourself when discovering what your faulty core beliefs are. Because if there's a sense of judgment, even self-judgment, which we are our worst critics, if there is a sense of self-judgment, that little boy, that little girl, that little self, that, that, that traumaed being will run and hide and close up and lock up. But to truly get past and beyond ego and live an authentic life, we have to work through these gremlin messages. We have to work through these faulty core beliefs. Because if we don't, then the, the constant recurring messages that are played in our subconscious mind will continue to dictate our experiences, will continue to hold us bound in chains of victimhood, and will never allow us to see the full potential of who we are completely. As we work on these gremlin messages, it's important to understand that it's not something that can just be fixed with positivity, right? I couldn't tell no matter how much I told myself, oh, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Mm -mm. I could say that till I was blown in the face, but I couldn't, I didn't realize that I looked at myself as a monster. I, I couldn't, I didn't realize that when people would say, you're such a good person that I would deny that I couldn't even listen to that. In a lot of my life. You know, as I fell into addiction to cover up and mask some of the pain and to numb, the, numb that pain out and that shame out. 
You know, they say addiction is caused by the lack of connection. And that's attributed to, you know, lack of connection with family, lack of connection with love, lack of connection of certain things in life. But the reality for me, what I've discovered in working on my own addiction and behaviors, as well as working with other recovering addicts, is the fact that the lack of connection truly comes to the lack of connection of our true authentic self. For me, I didn't see myself as a being. I didn't see myself as happiness, love, compassion. The only thing that I saw myself was, was a monster, sick son of a bitch, a kid that was always getting in trouble, always messing up, always doing something wrong. And so I always had to fight to offset those things so that I couldn't let people really truly see who I was. And because of that, that caused me to live a life full of lies. I lied a ton when I was younger. And even into my adult, right? The early part, the early first 10 years of my marriage, I lied a lot. Because I was always trying to hide behind this, these things that offset the beliefs that I had about who I was. And so positivity does not work, at least for me, it doesn't work and it didn't work of just saying that I can just sit there and repeat positive affirmations that I'm a good person or I'm this or I'm that. I had to really work on understanding first and foremost what those gremlin messages were. And a lot of times our gremlin messages, they come in layers, Right? They don't just the the core belief about who we are doesn't just jump out. So my gremlin message wasn't so much of like, oh, you sick son of a bitch, you sick son of a bitch. That wasn't what constantly played in the back of my head. But through the course of the day, it was like, hey, remember, there's that big message back there. So our gremlin message is, right, you have got to do this. You have got to not let people really get too close to you. And if you got to lie a little bit, lie a little bit. We can't be, you know, we're not, we're, we're private people. We don't want to let people in too close. And so one of the, one of the healers that I worked with as I was going through my own discovery and I was working through my own healing process, um, she gave me this example that says, you know, Jeremy, when we get into these episodes where our ego start, our vo- ego voice goes, starts going crazy. And we talked about that last episode. When ego voice starts going crazy, we have to quiet it down and we have to stop the train of thought that's taking us. Because if not, that train of thought takes us down a spiral into different places that aren't healthy for us. And she said a lot of times with positivity, what, it, what it's similar to is like if you're driving a, a car down the highway at 70 miles per hour, right? you're already trained to go that way. You're already in route. You're going 70 miles per hour. So when we start getting in these places where ego voice is going crazy, we are, we are in this, this area of, a, of an egocentric perspective of either seeking validation or needing validation. We're, we've got a lot of fear going on. We're trying to control something in our life or we're trying to exert some sort of power over someone or, or, or try to figure out power for ourselves. Whenever we're in one of these four categories and areas of perspective, we're already driving 70 miles down the road, down the, down the highway. We can't just all of a sudden stop, flip the car around and be like, okay, no, I'm just joking. I am great. I'm this, I'm that. You'll drop your engine. 
and that's why the power of positivity and just positive affirmations, it serves its purpose, but there's other steps involved before they can actually have an influential effect on us. So first and foremost, if you're not aware of what your faulty core beliefs are, then when you start going down this pathway of beliefs, uh, ego voice going crazy, you can stop and ask the four questions. Am I seeking validation? Am I sitting in fear? Am I trying to control something? Am I seeking power? If you can answer yes to one of those four areas, then you know that at that point in time, you are in an ego-centric perspective. You're not being authentic. To be able to start to offset that now, you have to acknowledge that first and foremost. Once you start acknowledging that, oh, okay, I'm sitting in ego right now. Now you start shining the light, the flashlight on our subconscious gremlin messages. Okay, what am I, what's really going on right now? Oh, I'm sitting in a lot of fear right now because I sense that someone is seeing me and seeing that I'm behind the mask, that I'm a sick son of a bitch. So therefore, I'm trying to offset that I'm really trying to act a certain way to get someone's approval. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So because now I'm shining a light on that gremlin message and acknowledging what is causing that, now I can go back into, okay, let me go and challenge this. Acknowledgement of the messages that are happening, acknowledgement of the gremlin messages that are impacting your moving forward in one direction is like us starting to slow the car down. By acknowledging the things that are happening subconsciously and that are, that are creating our ego to go ballistic, we start to slow our car down. Once we start slowing our car down, then we can start looking at an exit. And so in the, in the pathway of self-discovery, in the pathway of healing, we start to look for ways to say, I want different. I don't want to continue living in an egocentric perspective. I want to be truly authentic. And so when we start having that perspective, when we start having that attitude and that desire and start working on ourselves, now we can start looking for exits off the highway. Now I can get off the exit because I'm saying, I want to change this. I want to challenge this. And when we start to challenge our gremlin messages, when we start to challenge our faulty core beliefs about ourselves, we at that point in time bring the car to a stop. As I did this in my own work, in my own process, as I started to analyze things, then that's when the time positivity comes into play. That's when I can sit there and say, okay, what are the areas of life that I don't feel that I'm a sick son of a bitch? What are the areas that I don't feel like I'm a monster? And when I started analyzing those things, I started to challenge the faulty core beliefs. And, and you know, right off the bat, I didn't just let go of the fact that I was a monster or that I was a sick son of a bitch. I didn't let go of that fact. But what I did start to do is say, you know what, in these other areas, the impact that I'm having with my kids. Have I been a sick son of a bitch with them? No. Do I love them? Do I adore them? Am I, am I a good father? Yes. 
I started to see things differently. And as I started to see things differently, I was able to start working through the shame that held me captive in that specific core belief, that faulty core belief that I had. Depending on the gravity of the wound, right, will depend on the time it will take to work through that. But it's important that we work through that process. And eventually, you start to reshape things. So now, as we live these subconscious lives, being from an egocentric perspective and just going through life, behaving the way that we think we should all the time, hiding behind these masks, trying to seek validation, trying to you know, avoid our fear, control everything so that we can feel safe, and then exerting power or giving power up depending on the situation, when we really truly want to stop living that life and say, start saying, no, there's a different perspective, there's a different life for us. I want to be the creator now of my existence and not the victim of my circumstances. That's when we can start turning the corner and changing directions. And now I can get on the other side of the highway going the opposite direction. And that's not just created by positive affirmations. That's created by going deep within my subconscious, going deep within my heart, my soul, to the core of who I am and discovering what those faulty core beliefs are about myself and starting to challenge them. This is the part of the work of self-discovery that is the hardest. And it's not so much a self-discovery, but it's getting back to true self. When you see an innocent baby come into this world, and you see the young toddler, the, the wonderment that they have, that everything's new and pure. We can get back to that essence of who we are. This is the work that takes us there. And if you've listened to the podcast up to this point, then there's something about ego that resonates with you. Uh, we have gotten some feedback and people have told me, Jeremy, I feel like you're speaking just to me. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you. I'm glad that you're listening. Um, and a lot of us feel that same way. When I was learning these things, I felt like it was just specifically targeted towards me. And that's why I'm so passionate about it, because it helped me grow so much. It helped me to see a different way of living. But the work is hard. It's challenging. It hurts. It's scary as hell. But it's well worth it. Because where I'm at today, the fact that I can get onto this podcast and share that experience of my childhood, something that I wouldn't, I told myself most of my life that I would take to my grave and I wouldn't share with anybody. And I would lie my ass off to cover anything that came out from it up. To get to the point where I can share it openly and not put me into this emotional spiral is a different way of living for me. You know, people say that, oh, people don't change. They can change, you know, their routines. They can change a little bit of how they act or talk, but they really truly don't, truly don't change the core of who they are. I would disagree with you because I've experienced that. It's not so much changing the core of who you are. It's discovering the core of who you are. 
because we have adopted people's opinions, experiences, emotions as our truth, defining the core of our being. However, that's not necessarily true. So it's about rediscovery of the core of who we are and knowing that we are people of duality. That our experiences aren't just of the light. Our experiences are of the dark too. And so as you go through this process and then you do this work, it is challenging, but it is well worth it. So as we move forward and as we get into the second half of this first season of a podcast, we're going to get more into, we're going to start talking about some therapeutic approaches, going through and some healing practices that will help, you know, overcome to help heal and grow from these gremlin messages. And as we discover those things, I want to offer some different options that people can look to. We're also going to get into talking about how to offset or overcome the four characteristics of ego. How do we let go of seeking validation? How do we address fear when it shows up in our lives? You know, how do we let go of control and how do we start allowing life to unfold? Start allowing ourselves to be the creators of our existence and not the victims of our circumstances. And how do we let go of this notion that there's power <laughs> there that people, people have over us or that we have over other people. And so we'll work at, talk about some of the best practices and how to work through those things and apply those things to live a more authentic life. And how do we discover who we truly are? So hopefully this message today had an impact that there was some relatability of some things that you've gone through. And truly, this really is the game changer. If you want to live an authentic life, if you want to truly be free of the chains of shame and ego, it, it starts fundamentally with the hardest work, which is the work of gremlin messages and our faulty core beliefs. So I want to challenge you in that. And if you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out. You can message us and, and get in contact with me on the website, which is www.coachjeremymartin.com. And there's even some evaluation forms and some webinars that will be up talking about how to really overcome and address and acknowledge what your grumbling messages are, what your faulty core beliefs are. And in doing the work, I promise you, you'll start to find peace, comfort, happiness through the fear of even addressing those things. So until next time, have a wonderful and blessed week.